You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with With daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Alan Seals. And I'm Liz Eston. And welcome to Carried Away, a podcast where we explore the films and television shows starring the one and only Canadian James Eugene Carey. All right, and we have an extra special guest on this holiday episode. We are breaking tradition because we did not want to cover The Grinch and A Christmas Carol in the middle of July of next year. (laughs) You're the... The Grinch! Jim Carrey is The Grinch. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a film that was released on November 17th in the United States, written by Jeffrey Price and Peter Seaman, starring Jim Carrey. Sorry. November 17th, 2000. Yes, November 17th, 2000. (laughs) Starring uh, Jim Carrey, Taylor Momsen, Jeffrey Taymor, Christine Baranski, Bill Irwin, and Molly Shannon, directed by Ron Howard. The plot of which is on the outskirts of Whoville lives a green, revenge-seeking Grinch who plans to ruin Christmas for all the citizens of the town. Please join me in welcoming Michigan's own beaming Broadway star and former resident of Whoville on stage in two different shows. It's Andrew Keenan Bulger! <laughs> hey, what's up, gang? How you doing, Andrew? I'm so good. I'm ready for, yeah, let's get in this holiday season. Yes, yes, yes. Put I, it, put it packed up those Halloween decorations and let's bring out the string lights. Um, I'm very excited to have you on. Um, but first and foremost, what is your history with Jim Carrey? If you have one. If this is the first Jim Carrey oh, movie sure. you've ever seen, like that's fine, too. No, I think the first movie I saw was like Ace Ventura or maybe The Mask. I'm a I'm a child of the 90s, so he loomed large in I think my friend's circles like that was as good as it got in terms of comedy um in the 90s. So yeah, I think one of those two early introduction. Now, later in life you would go on to be at JoJo and Seussical and as well Young Max and How the Grinch Stole Christmas the stage show. Did you find any influence from Jim Carrey's interpretation of this film or anything into either of those productions? Honestly, I don't think so. I know, well, the Grinch movie came out while I was in Susicle. Um, so it was that same year. Ooh. And I remember they did a special screening for our cast, uh, like before everyone else okay, got to see okay. it. Okay, okay, fuck everything else we have to say. Tell us all <laughs> about that screening. Like, Oh my gosh. Um... It was in the, like, Times Square AMC. It was literally just our cast. It was, like, 30 people in, like, a giant movie theater. Wow. And, yeah, they just showed it to us. Just, I think, as a Seuss Brothers kind of IP <laughs> project. Like, now, you were Seuss, Seuss Brothers from another mother. Fairly young at the time, so you had to have been the target audience of this film. What was your yeah. reaction of it at the time? Um... I I remember honestly being like a little critical of it. <laughs> I think I think because I was so immersed in Dr. Seuss and like in preparation for Seussical because I, I was like a fifteen at the time. So I was a little bit older than okay. my and character you knew probably should have been. At fifteen you knew everything. I, I truly, yes. really, really <laughs> thought I did. And like was just developing like a 
sense of taste. But I assume and I remember not... at all would be pand- not pandering, but like pointing towards like the teen crowd that's like, hey, come on in. This is cool. A, a million percent. And I think I, I remember thinking Jim Carrey was amazing, as I still do today, having rewatched it. We were like, that is an incredible performance. But I remember not loving the movie. And, and I remember being backstage. I think probably this is actually more accurate with a group of catty gay men all like <laughs> dunking on it. So I think that might have also influenced some of my um, reactions to well, it. That but le- it, it is not a movie that I have ever seen again until yesterday. That uh, is so- from that time that I saw it in the theater. Uh, I, when I was 15. I feel like when it came out, it was inescapable, almost ignoring the entire conceit of the movie of, you know, like, capitalism isn't great, where the marketing is like, buy all these toys at Toys R Us, and don't forget to go to Wendy's <laughs> and get your Grinch toys. It was marketed to Blitz. Like, in New York, I have to imagine it was everywhere, like, on every doorstep. He's coming. If there's something you want, better start running. Get on a train, hop on a bus. It's holiday hubilation at Toys R Us. For Universal and Imagine Pictures release of The Grinch. It's a game. It's a cinch. Three lucky Who's will win Dodge Caravans. Imagine the shouts. Imagine the hollers. When another Who wins a million Oh, a million percent. Yeah, and I think my generation, and certainly the generation, like, just below me, this... This is their Christmas movie. This is their White Christmas. Their It's a Wonderful Life. Like, it is the Grinch. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, like, all right, since we're going into that, and that was such a great intro into it, and also a little bit like, wow, you, you were there when it happened. You, you <laughs> saw it before all of us. And you had you were in the world of Seuss while you had to go and see the world of Seuss. Um, <laughs> that being said, um, how much influence because in my opinion every adaptation of the Grinch afterwards has taken a lot of influence from this movie and a lot of characteristics from it and then when you're in the Grinch um, on stage in the national tour if I'm correctly yeah did you feel a lot of that influence from like oh that's we're just doing some Jim Carrey stuff all right it's funny I really this is not a compelling answer I would say literally none it when (laughs) I got cast in when I got cast in the Grinch I never I never had the desire to go and rewatch it. Maybe also because I was playing Max the dog, yeah. and I'm like, what am I going to glean from this live animal that doesn't talk? <laughs> um, but no, Ooh, I Max is I one felt... of my favorite characters. <laughs> He's a great character. I didn't, it wasn't honestly until I rewatched it yesterday that I was like, oh, I think the guy who played the Grinch when I did it probably took some of these bits from that. And like, uh, of course he did. Why wouldn't you? I grew up on the... Um, on the Chuck Jones version, the like animated, yeah. I think it's only like 20 or 30 minutes, but yeah. that, yeah, that is like definitely the one minutes. that, yeah, that was the one that I still to this day think of when anyone says the Grinch. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Like yeah. the animated version with little Cindy Lou Who, who yeah. real life actress is 30 years old now. Uh, <laughs> oh Taylor, my gosh. Taylor Momsen. She's Momsen. a Momsen, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a punk rock singer um, who famously, uh, exposes her body a lot that is part of her yeah. performance so a lot of people are like oh my childhood people get older how dare they she's also like I a actually... bitch on gossip girl so like yes, she's yeah, changed for sure. <laughs> i just met earlier this year i met the actress who plays the young christine baranski in it the like martha may Huvier, mm-hmm. and she's now grown up in an actress as well and I, I met her at a party and somehow people were talking about being a child actor and they're like andrew is a child actor and like dr seuss stuff too <laughs> And she shared the anecdote that at least once a week, a like college-educated older man will slide into her DMs and say creepy stuff about her performance as like a ten-year-old. In that, she's like, there, "Not a week has gone by where someone has not like over-sexualized that character." And now, with me as a thirty-year-old, feels the need to share it with me as though I am going to like join in on this creepy fantasy. Ooh, no, <laughs> no, though. <laughs> That being said, the movie does that no favors. It does. It does kind of, sh- it's a little flirty. It's a little more yeah. than you would want from a 10-year-old representation of a lot of things. Like, they, <laughs> they basically have, like, the seductive saxophone playing in the background. It's really <laughs> unpleasant. Um, yeah. As a, as a Ron Howard film, there's a couple things in here that I was like, really, Ron Howard? 
Interesting. I have a lot of things to say about this, and I am excited to say about it. So this film was a huge hyperfixation for me in my early days. So literally, I did not rewatch this. I know this film beginning to end without having to revisit it at all. Um, and truly, it was a horrendous experience for everyone involved, <laughs> by all <laughs> accounts. And there was a lot of push and pull between people who didn't know what they were doing trying to make it a lot of folks more like on the brian grazer side were like edgy comedy let's try to embrace that side of it make it a little bit raunchier where on the jim carrey kind of ron howard side it was like let's bring in the amblin let's make it a little sweeter and then they met in the middle and i think most of the negative response was that doesn't know what it is and i can't help but agree with that however Film techniques and the things that it, like, really shines now, especially, like, now that we've removed ourselves from, like, the the practical sets and the makeup appliances and having physical actors that do physical things on sta- screen and torturing our actors by putting them under um, mountains and mountains of yak hair and <laughs> fake noses and contacts. It is an impressive feat, and there is some cinematography choices that I found interesting in concept but baffling in execution. Um, so, what do we know anything about Ron Howard as a director? Like, when He's we... covered in yak hair, it's apparently. It's yak hair, yeah. No. It's dyed yak hair. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. So, the, so the suit's, uh, suit was actually yak hair? Yes. Yeah, uh, the, fully the, yak hair. Entirely Ooh. yak hair. And that sounds yakky. It's a... Uh, <laughs> 90 days Jim Carrey had to be on set. So 90 days, getting there at 3 a.m. before everyone else, um, getting poked and prodded at for three to four hours every morning, and then <laughs> having to go and perform uncomfortably under contacts and all these things. He was very, very unhappy with having to do this and made it in his prima donna way, because this is a few years removed from the cable guy where he was getting $20 million for one role. He is on top of the world. He thinks that he should not be having to deal with this. And then the producers paid for, like, you know, torture, like people to train him to deal with torture and things like that, um, which in my opinion, is a little too much. But then he's, they basically recommended, like, you meditate, take up smoking, but he has to smoke out of a Corel DeVille-style um, cigarette holder, or else he will in- ignite the yak hair he's covered in. Um, and eventually, Ron Howard what? is like, okay, fuck it, you're bitching so much, I'm going to wear the suit for a whole day and just see how bad it was. And he's like, it, it wasn't brave, but it's, it's fine. And he directed at least one day entirely dressed up as the Grinch. No oh. kidding! Good on you, Ron. That's wild. That is like yeah. the epitome of decent director trying to be like, all right, I get that you're going through pain. I get that this is difficult, but it's every actor in this film has to undergo a lot of makeup just for an everyday. It's done by Rick Baker, who is very, very famous, one of the best to do it. Got his start in the Star Wars world, became acclaimed through American Werewolf in London and The Howling, back-to-back werewolf transformations, two of the best, and would go on to win an Oscar for all the makeup effects that he would do for this film, and well-deserved, one of the few well-deserved things. Um, yeah, they look amazing. Um, and to the test of time, like looked better today than they did back then in all honesty like the clarity of hd and 4k restorations of this film has only done it favors in a way that a lot of other vfx heavy films have not i i maybe others will agree aside from like the sledding down the hill piece um in the latter half of the film all the cgi and visual effects pieces kind of hold up very well yeah there are some close-ups on jim where where like you can tell it's sort of like the spongy material on his face but it, it still looks good if you know what you're looking for you can see it but it looks amazing i i i think it absolutely held up this has been a long time coming basically of movie studios just waiting for dr seuss to die um and <laughs> i, I that that sounds horrendous but that is the truth because well yeah um liz you can explain it better oh do you want me to explain okay yes please so yeah they were basically just fighting for the right to the grinch and any dr seuss thing there's waiting for this old guy to kick it like we can only adapt this once he dies and he has a widow we can get permission from so and she is <laughs> I wouldn't say litigious with it. She is very much like, yeah, whatever. She got more litigious post-2004, but post that was for a hat. good reason. So, <laughs> very good reason. Uh, so, yeah, basically she had very specific stipulations, and she said any actor submitted for The Grinch must be comparable to the stature of Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, 
Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman. She had a lot of power, and she got her way. She yeah. did. She won. She got a bunch of money from it. So, um, And this is one of the highest grossing films of all time when it came out, and it's still quite up there, I mean, even compared to like the Marvel stuff today. While the VFX and the visuals have aged well, I don't know if the narrative has. So, Andrew, I'm very curious. You coming back into this nearly yeah. two decades later, how does it compare? What was your experience rewatching this? Well, it's funny. I was watching it in my dressing room in between shows yesterday. I'm in Dracula, a comedy of tears right now off Broadway. Ooh. And James Daly, who plays our Dracula, was like, oh my God, are you watching The Grinch? I'm like, yeah, it's for this podcast. And I had my AirPods in and he started reciting in the background <laughs> every single line like in Jim, in Jim Carrey's voice, like to the exact dialogue, same intention. <laughs> He's like, this is like maybe one of my absolute favorite movies and like a huge influence for me when it comes to comedy. So I, I was seeing it through his lens, which was super sunny. And then my other castmate, Arnie Burton, came in and he was like, ugh, are you watching The Grinch, the worst Christmas movie ever made? <laughs> That's and a good it, Arnie. It basically, That's a really yeah, good Arnie. It started a, a huge fight, a, a loving fight between James and um, Arnie. So I was sitting very agnostic right in between, like trying to take like the most absolute superlatives and like the most iconoclast, like burying this film. And I think I felt somewhere in between. I, I was really impressed with, um, uh, like you were saying before, the like special effects and how much like practical stuff they used. <coughs> I think especially in comedy, so rarely when you were like CGIing something to death is stuff funny. And I think it's because like that little girl is looking up at Jim Carrey. He looks exactly like how he looks to the audience. So her reactions are real. The comedic like moments are all real versus if she was staring up at a guy in like a flesh colored suit with a bunch of X's all over him, you're going to have a different reaction as an actor. And so I think especially with comedy, like all of the practical stuff makes such a huge difference. And I was so glad to see how much it stacked up in terms of the narrative. I guess I just didn't remember how much they had changed it. And I think it doesn't make sense to me. I think they missed the point of the entire book, which is, they make the Who's these kind of grotesque, capitalist, like super consumery type creatures. Merry Christmas! Thank you for shopping car Thank you. We've got a snoozle phone for your brother Drew, and a snoozle phone for your brother Stu, a muncle for your uncle, a fan for your aunt, and a fanpa for your cousin Leon. So we just need. And in the book, they are these like lovely, cheerful, kind of pure creatures. And the thought in the movie is like, and then he steals away all their stuff and they get so upset. Whereas in the book, they steal all their stuff and the Who's don't care at all. They're like, it's not about any of that. What we are about is love. And I was like, oh wait, that movie, I think it... I think it did the opposite, where it's like, yeah, how terrible. There's, and I get that they're like, oh, but it's about like rehabilitation and everything. But we as a society are much more like the who's in the Jim Carrey version than in the Dr. Seuss version. But I don't know. I feel like it's sort of, I, I was confused by that choice and why they decided to do that. It, it feels like, of course, you would want to do that, though, because you're like, let's make the who's reflect more who we are. You know, I, I gotta say, I think, I, I, and don't don't shoot me here. This, this was my first time seeing this movie. Oh. So, with that said, I came into this with again the 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 animated version, the short version of like, and the book, right? And coming into this, I was like, oh, they gave him a backstory, and a little bit of a love interest, and and I guess this is a little bit to your point, Jess, of to like, it doesn't know what it wants to be, but I sort of enjoyed that because it was a different, it was sort of a different universe of the same story that we know about. So I actually, I really enjoyed that they, they humanized the Who's and the Grinch a little bit. And I, I found them relatable because they were real. Mm -hmm. And so 
I will pleasantly disagree that I think the changes did work for at least for me. I think the changes make sense for the kind of because here I think this is a smart decision. I don't love the way that they got there, but I think the idea of having Cindy Lou and the Grinch juxtaposed by having the same frustration and relating on that, which is like, this shit's a little overblown, right? (laughs) And they both have that, and they react to it in two very different ways, which Cindy Lou is working within the system. I'm like, she's like, I want to find meaning, and I think the meaning might be found through me connecting with other people and bringing people together. How can we preach this if we're cutting, ostracizing someone out? Maybe if I do that, I will understand the meaning. And he's like, fuck these people. They are the problem, and it's their fault that I don't understand it. And then they compromise, and they relate through that. And I think as an overarching theme for a narrative film, that is at least a pretty good bone structure to build this off of in reflecting these two characters. And I know the 2018 movie also tried something like this, but I think it works in a very less effective way there. And I think that's the pathos that this brings, is that core relationship, which is the only thing that is completely novel to this film that I feel like works. Everything else that they take from the Dr. Seuss book really works in this film, in my opinion. Everything they take from the Chuck Jones thing also works in this film. That relationship is non-existent in the book or the Chuck Jones um, story. It really is the core center of this, and it's mostly because the actors have great chemistry together. Yeah, Tets. No, no, it looked like it looked like a lot of fun on set. I think you know, Molly Shannon was a bit underused, and like Dustin Hoffman is the narrator. Uh, uh, not Dustin Hoffman. Uh, Anthony, or Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Or Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Whatever. Hopkins. Whatever. Animal same actor. Um, yeah. <laughs> same, same. Same, but different. Wait, this is my Jenny McCarthy. Uh, this uh, is your Jenny McCarthy. Um, Heather Lockley or mix Heather up. Lockley I always, episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You say that it was fun on set. Um, not particularly. Um, it looked like it. Not at all. Oh no. Um, Tell me more. Tell me more. This is like one of the few because NDA crazy, but this is one of the few stories that get out about how Jim Carrey was at the top of his game, a little bit of a diva, not doing his best. Kazuro Suji. Um, he is a renowned special effects makeup artist, and he started his career on The Grinch. So he is basically like B makeup artist to Rick Baker um, and has the unenviable job of getting Jim Carrey dressed and ready every morning and getting him into the makeup. Um, he said that it was truly an experience he will never forget. He relived the nightmare that was The Grinch in a recent interview with Vulture uh, via the playlist, and it turns out he checked into therapy soon after working with Jim Carrey. On set, Jim Carrey was really mean to everybody at the beginning of the production. They couldn't finish. After two weeks, we could only finish three days worth of shooting schedule because suddenly he would just disappear, and then he would come back. Everything was ripped apart, and we couldn't shoot everything, so he'd just rip apart these makeup appliances. In the makeup trailer, he just suddenly stands up, looks in the mirror, and pointing at his chin and he goes this color is different than the one you did yesterday i was using the same color you used yesterday he said fix it and you know i fixed it every day was like that um he became so exhausted with carrie that the makeup artist rick baker and one of the film's producers allowed him to step away from the project for a hiatus to not deal with jim carrey the goal was to make carrie realize how important the makeup artist was to the creation of the character and the plan worked and he received a call from Carrie two weeks after his break asking him to please return to the film and Ron Howard also called swearing Jim Carrey had changed his way and was acting more positive behind the scenes and a Grinch hmm. like uh, changed himself I went back under one condition he said I was talking with my friends and they all told me you should ask for a raise before you go back I didn't want to do that kind of nasty then I got to the idea how can I and he got a green card that was the deal so now it was all a positive, but also <laughs> Jim Carrey, while under very unpleasant conditions, was not behaving very well in this film, and he was letting a lot of that fame and nonsense go to him. And this is fresh off of his Man on the Moon stint, which they made an entire documentary about his behavior on that set. Right, yeah. Mm. Um, so I, I, as much as I enjoy this, obviously there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes and that's not even unpacking like the Jeffrey Taymor of it all who would later come out to be a very difficult person to work with on any set um as far Jeffrey, as like, wait, Jeffrey Tambor is hard to work with is that oh, sarcasm yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't I don't know oh, yeah, I don't know yeah oh I wow mean, he got canned in the last season of Transparent because of oh really treating specifically like his trans co-workers Ugh. Not great. He's no. not a particularly good person no, by all like accounts. Which is a shame because he's so wonderful and 
I know. I just love him from Rest of Development. Yeah, me too. Uh, he used to treat Jessica Walter like garbage on that set specifically. The oh. hell? Yeah, you're dead to me if you treat her yeah. bad. Preach. That's right. That's um, right. So there's a lot of egos going at play on this film that is supposed to be like a family like tradition. Specifically, they cite like inspiration from like A Wonderful Life. Um, and Jim Carrey said his performance was based a lot on Jimmy Stewart. I'm curious, does anyone else see that influence? Because I do not, aside from like that one speech he gives at the end where he's like, Oh, it's all about gifts and I'm like, Oh, I see it. You're you're going you're going a little Jimmy Stewart there. I mean it kinda of just you know, not just thing with his with his teeth. <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah. Max, let's go. Our work here is finished. That is not a Chew toy. As much as it comes into well, play. Well, that is due to the denture appliance he has. Like even oh, in God, yeah. like like interviews and like bloopers, you can hear him do this. I'm like, oh, sorry, let me try. Sorry, let me try that again. Sorry, I'm so I'm so I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> you gotta get angry about it. Yes. Um, speaking of getting angry, um, the critics did not love this movie. <laughs> Well, let's take a look, because we have both Entertainment Weekly and Variety reviews, both from the time the film came out. Uh, the first one is by Owen Gleiberman, and he says, Carrie thrusting his lower lip to the pout of magnificently mocking self-pity, speaks in a basso, rapid-fire, vaguely British growl that makes him sound like a deranged James Stewart fused with Lionel Barrymore. Okay, they see Jimmy Stewart, Stewart too. They I'm not seeing it. There, yeah. Um, I'm not seeing it either. I don't agree yeah, with that. I, see I see Lionel Barrymore more. Um, he I plays see the, gr the growled lip. <laughs> he plays the Grinch as an overgrown kid who never got his candy. Is now going to make the world pay for it. The Grinch sits around his mad scientist lair, munching on glass. His beetle brows locked into a sneer as he tries to dream up ways of ruining everyone else's pleasure. Madness fills him with dirty high spirits, but he's so suspicious of anything that feels good that he compulsively sabotages even his own malevolent glee. I mean, that that's mostly just an insult of Carrie. Um, once again, not seeing the James Stewart. I see the Lionel Barrymore, like, slightly, but not much. Um, wait, wait, wait. There's a plot hole we haven't talked about. So the, the backstory. <laughs> There's a plot hole? Yeah. The backstory, the backstory here is that when he's about eight years old, right, eight or nine years old, they were, it was Christmas, and, like, some other kid made fun of him for having facial hair because yeah. he was eight, and he tried to shave it, and the whole thing, he just had, like, little ra razor cuts, and then he got so bullied from that that he went to a mountain and nobody ever heard from him again. Why did nobody go after the eight-year-old boy when he ran away to live in an ice cave? Yeah, including his like legal guardians, right? His lesbian like that, mothers, yeah. His lesbian, his lesbian <laughs> his, moms, yeah. His yeah. lesbian moms who were who just who let have him swingers go. Swingers parties. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. Yep. What was throwing, that? Throwing the keys in, yeah. the, oh, the, keys yeah. in there. We should do a swingers party. Sneak that, that one. In. That was moment number one, Ron Howard. Well, no, that oh was actually gosh. moment number two because thirty seconds before that, um, they get a baby delivered to their doorstep, and the dad's like, "Hey, our baby's here. Why does he look like your boss?" <laughs> oh my god. That's right. <laughs> this movie's weirdly horny. It is obs obscene. And there was horny. there was when he was trying to catch a taxi and he was like he couldn't catch a taxi. He's like, is it, is it because it goes I'm green? Yep. Yep. Um Whoa. like that one's not too bad. That one's like in a, any other kids movie that'd be fine. The other ones maybe not yeah. so much. Yeah, no. Or when he puts the mistletoe over his butt and tells him to kiss it, like like, or when he puts the dog's butt in the mayor's mouth oh while yeah. he's sleeping. That was And then the dog cold. crawls away with his butt on the carpet like it really hurt or something. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. I like that. felt yeah. violated. Um, that's comedy. I did like that one. That was my favorite. That was my favorite inappropriate moment. I hated that. I hate that. I hate thing. it. I hate that's it. I hate it. Uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> Andrew, I think you and I are uh, in one camp. <laughs> and I are on the other camp. Oh, yeah, so you guys are pro-like oh, do dog? I <laughs> mean, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm still pro this movie. I'm, we're we're going to go with that. I'm, all right. Okay. Convince me otherwise. Change well, let's hear what Todd McCarthy says. Um, okay. Okay, Todd. Um, for decades, the late Theodore Geisel showed the door to all filmmakers who approached him about making live-action versions of his popular 1957 story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's too bad his wishes did not continue to be honored, as this lavishly appointed production reps a sweet and simple tale gone enormously south. 
Hour. Shrill, strenuous, and entirely without charm, Ron Howard's attempt at a Christmas classic is an elaborately wrapped empty box that will fool many people into buying it, but will not greatly please its recipients. Too scary for tykes, the film lacks the magic and fun that older kids want, and many middle American grown-ups who dutifully drag their sprigs along will end up resenting the film's unpleasantly negative vibes and its failure to provide a good family time. Um, that felt like a Roger Ebert hmm. quote with the use of the word tykes. He says, <laughs> <love."> <laughs> um, I don't agree with that. I think kids love this film. Um, yeah. Because I think I'm a little little bit younger. Liz and I are a little younger. I, I was about four or five when this film came out. Um, and yeah. once that kind of hit, there was it, was it it became impossible to escape from the kids. Every kid was quoting this. Every It was like watching Eddie Murphy's Raw for the first time where every kid suddenly became a stand-up just because the film existed. There is that famous speech where he's like, four o'clock wallowing self-pity, five o'clock stare into the abyss, five o'clock self while her old hunger held no one, six o'clock dinner with me, I can't cancel that again. Like, that that line has survived its own. But what will I wear? Exactly. (laughs) I feel like I remember that. Because, like, like Ace Ventura, you talk out of your butt. Oh yeah. Uh, the mask, you, somebody stop me. Like from this one, what's the one line you come away with? And I think, you know, what will I wear? Is that what it is? That's I guess. God, That's I don't even a know. Lot. Yeah. Oh, no TikToks. Yeah. Before we go on to the other side of our critical corner, Andrew, I do want to ask you, as a director, about some of the directorial choices in this film. Um, Cinematography-wise, um, for those of you that don't know, Andrew made this wonderful film um, called Sign um, that was written by Adam Wachter, correctly? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very ta- talented composer as well. Um, love the film. I've loved it for a while. So glad thank I get you. to meet you and tell you how much I love that movie. Oh, um, thank you so much. Very, very well done. Um, and I want to talk to you about some of the choices that he made and whether you would have made these choices as well if given the task. Yeah, I, I think... Honestly, some of my issues might be a little bit more with, like, the art direction. I think on a rewatch, it does look a little tacky, (laughs) I thought. Like, I was impressed by the sets, but it is very that kind of, like, early 2000s maximalist, like, Mm -hmm. if you can put a bejewel on it, like, do it. I, I feel like it weirdly... The book is so beautiful and the lines are so clean and Dr. Seuss weirdly is about simplicity even though the ideas are so huge. And his it does not reflect the book's aesthetic in any way, I thought, other than the who's having a slightly upturned nose. Um, but it it feels real, real extra in a way that hurts my eyes a little bit um, <laughs> would you have made it brighter is it a color or no or a... i think it's it's like the it's costume set lighting all of the above i think i think they could have taken the like coco chanel like take off one article of clothing it said i think they're like let's add everything aside from i think the grinch that those special effects are pretty astounding and the fact that Jim Carrey is able to really break through all of that is I think really impressive but like if you look at like Cindy Lou Who's wig it's like ew I don't want oh what is that and I don't know what any of it is referencing other than like just too much it's tacky what I think happened and this is me putting on my tinfoil hat um (laughs) At the same time, at the same production company, the first film about five or six months before that was released that used DIT, Digital Intermediate Technology, to color correct in um, technology. Um, and that is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where they very brilliantly used it to keep the blues of their overalls very blue, but make all the leaves very orange. I think that they just handed that off and they're like, well, what if we make the first half like really desaturated and then at the end we'll bring out all the colors all of a sudden. And since the it was so much of its infancy, it's very distracting and very primitive in that style. Huh. This has not been confirmed, but this is me being like, this would make sense. I'll buy it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch- 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This tracks for me from all the information. But you know what? No one cares what I think about this. You know who really cares? The opinion we really want. It's those of the truly sane and normal people over on Letterboxd.com. It's time for the Letterboxd game. One star or five star? All right, That's another great transition. Oh, you're, you're two for That's two on this solid episode. solid transition, Jess. I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> normally these transitions are really not this good. Um, I Sometimes I make it funnier because they're not good, uh, because I just want to get on to the next thing. How this works is we Liz has pulled real-life letterbox reviews, and Alan, okay. Andrew, you guys are going to go head-to-head, and you have to guess just based on the review alone whether they are a one-star or a five-star. Oh, God. <laughs> and they're gonna get unhinged. So yeah, all right. This is this is where we get to the horny section of Letterbox game. There's some Uh-oh. horny people out there. For this I'm just mean reading man. these now. Oh my god. Oh yeah. My. Oh That's, boy. This is the this is the jet the one Jess is looking at. There's some weirder ones I didn't include because they just made me uncomfortable. Like and that's oh. All right, Alan, you're up first. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Liz, you want to be on Andrew's team? I didn't even ask whose team. Oh, yeah. I'll be on Andrew's team. All right, Andrew. Liz will ask you the question. Let's do this. All right. All right. Alan. The dad was dummy thick. Was dummy thick? He did have, like, a butt implant. (laughs) Dummy? Oh, God. I I think think that's thick with a a K. Yes, with Uh, a K. I'm going five star. That is a one star. No! Coming out weak, swinging a miss. Oh, damn it! All right, Andrew, are you ready? Let's do it. Had a dream that he lived in the woods behind my house and set them on fire and tried to eat my dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go with one star. It's correct. No, (laughs) you're in the lead, Andrew. (sighs) All right, Alan, you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Every time I do drugs, I have a really intense experience with some type of green man. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Nike farts. I'm going to go five star on that one. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> Tied it up. This movie saved my marriage. <laughs> I mean, if if that's not a five star, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's correct. They were married, you know? Yeah. Man, we bonded over that Max butt oh thing. My that was God. great. Um, if this was about my ex-wife, it would be how the bitch stole my kids. <laughs> oh how my the God. bitch stole my kids. <laughs> one star. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> that that one was one I I immediately caught, and I'm like, oh, that's unhinged. Literally a horror film. 
Uh, I'm going one star. Correct. <clears throat> Natural talent for this letterbox shit. Yeah, it's... What a great talent to have. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my CV. Someone want to help me with my taxes? <laughs> Special totally. skills. One star, five star, baby. All right, Alan. Yes. My son made me rewatch this today. <laughs> <laughs> my son. Oh, that could be good because it was hanging out with your son, but it's, I'm going one star. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> I get so competitive over this game. You do. You do, Alan. I know, I know. It's really hard. It's really yeah. hard. anyway. Anyway, how do you get competitive over this game? This game is like basically like, oh my god, who can hit their head against the wall the hardest? <laughs> it's literally. And that. I want to win that contest. <laughs> okay. He's just a silly little guy. <laughs> He's just a silly little guy. Silly little guy. He's just a silly, silly little, little guy. guy. I'm gonna give that a little five star. That's a five star for the same. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, silly little guy. Alan. Yes. Grinch could get it, especially in that suit. Mm. That suit's a five-star suit, baby. You bet your ass it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the relationship between him and the humans, like, how is that supposed to work? How how are you supposed to have a relationship with Martha May Huvier? Not not to point this out, you don't wear clothes, my dude. I I'm assuming that there's nothing anatomical going on down there. Yikes. I mean, if we want to go down that rabbit hole, it could be like the fish from Shape of Water who doesn't visibly have a penis, but uh, I'm like, is it a red rocket situation? It might be. Here comes the lipstick. <laughs> red rocket. Red Here rocket. comes the lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> They have a who swinger party? I'm going, honestly, five stars. That is correct. <laughs> Guess who you're taking home? <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Wait, is that is that what I have to guess? No, no, no. No, oh, that no, oh. that was just, just making a joke. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Brutal. That is the review. That's, That's it? it? Yep. That's it. I mean, I don't know if you'd throw it in there unless you're trying to trick me, but it seems so obvious. I've got to go with one star. That's a five star. See? I see. I told you. I told you. You actually, I didn't write these. I didn't write these. I, I was just trying to trick star. you. I knew that was a five star, but I went against my gut. That's the first, like, that's why Andrew's killing it. He's just kind of going with the <laughs> initial reaction. Yeah. You've played this game too much, I can tell. He, yeah, he's overthinking. Yeah, you true. can't you can't overthink letterbox reviews. <laughs> but when you get when you get fed your review, like this is just a cute little guy. Obviously, that's a five star. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So everyone always said. criticizes the way that the other person delivers. Like it's. <laughs> you, Are you saying I'm cheating, Alan? By I'm saying you might be leading the witness and being an one, actor with that one star. You were leading the witness, or maybe one I'm just trying to cheat it so Andrew wins. Um, yeah, what's what's next? Next? <laughs> I really like the village people. <laughs> <laughs> referring to the who's or referring to the band? I don't know. Maybe they just this like has, the village people. Yeah, this has They're nothing on the to do wrong with the page. Um, you know, I'm going to go five stars. That's correct. Oh, see? See? Okay. I, All right, Alan, win. this is the last one. All right. So Can't come back. So this It's literally fun. an unfair advantage because you also started this. So really, it's your fault for losing at this <laughs> point. <laughs> I have no one to blame but myself. It won an Oscar. What else is there to say? Five star. That is a one star. But shut it up, fuck! See, but I went Al, with my gut Alan, wrong. If I if I had said it the other way, it won an Oscar. What is there to say? See, that would have been a one star. So because I said he's a silly guy, like he's a silly little guy, it was he's five star. But if guy. I said he's a silly little guy, it's a one star. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. Listen back to this episode when you edit it, and you. Yes, I'm the one editing this episode, Alan, and I will edit this conversation out. No, keep it in. <laughs> keep it in and double it. <laughs> the record Actually, extend it. Make it super long. Yeah, this yeah, entire yeah. episode is this just this conversation now. It's not yeah. about the group. <laughs> 
how what like what do we think this has impacted as far as culture? Like, cause this did have like a really big thing, and then it kind of fizzled out, and then. The, nearly 20 years later there's been another remake of the grinch like has this impacted the story and getting it out there to more people that wouldn't have initially brought it out or has it kind of diminished its overall impact because andrew you you stated that you think that this basically um takes the original moral and kind of defeats it which i don't entirely disagree with but i feel like as a film there are things i like about it um like, do we think this has been a net positive for getting Dr. Seuss's story out there or a net negative for misinterpreting what its original intent was? I mean, I would say it's a positive. Also, if you look, I, I just Googled this last night. I was like, what are the most successful Christmas movies? I'm like, just curious. Mm-hmm. And number one is The Grinch, but not this one. Literally the one from 2018 that I didn't even know really existed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that is what? the top a... grossing Christmas movie ever. That makes sense. 20... That, yeah. So I would say it's had a huge, massive effect on Hollywood. Um, oh. The fact that this is that strong of an IP. And this Grinch is the number four highest grossing with the, like the, the two animated. Home Alones in between. Yeah, the animated one for 2018 with Benedict Cumberbatch. Which I've never is... seen, and I don't know anyone who's seen that, but maybe that's just like a generate. not yeah. <laughs> I have two kids. It, yeah, we watched kids. It. There you go. They love it. Which one would you recommend of the two of them? If you the were exposing one. someone to the Grinch. The yeah. anime, be, my children, my younger one especially, who still gets scared. Uh, we watched Into the Spider-Verse last night, and he got scared at that. So he Aww. still is a, he's a little sensitive. Blah, blah. So, he's a little yeah. guy. He's just a little he's a, guy. He's, he's just, just a little, little guy. guy. He's definitely my five-star little guy. <laughs> I do want to say, post uh, inflation, because I did, was curious, like after inflation, what would be the highest grossing? Number oh, yeah. one is Home Alone. Number two is the 2018 Grinch, and number three is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Wow, interesting. So out of the oh, top the five, two of them are Grinch movies, and two of them are Home Alone movies. Can you guess the? Because uh, the other Home Alone two is number four. Can you guess what number five is? Elf. I am looking at it, so I will not say anything. Um, oh, man. Andrew, you got a guess? I mean, I did look at this last night, but I do not remember. Uh, uh, I'm going with Elf. I, I bet it's like something stupid, like Polar Express or something. <laughs> Just I am underestimating <laughs> the ability of. <laughs> incredibly good guesses. Um, Elf is five, Polar Express is six. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm glad to see Elf up there. I feel like that is the correct position for that. So The Grinch was a big success in 2000. They immediately greenlight uh, The Cat in the Hat with Brian Grazer still producing it. Ron Howard takes a step back, and Bo Welch takes over directing. Cat in the Hat is mm. what The Cat in the Hat is. Um, and then <laughs> they release the same weekend as Elf, thinking, oh, this Will Ferrell comedy, um, oh, whatever. Wow. And then Elf just ate its fucking lunch yes. and destroyed yes. it. Nobody likes Mike Myers against Will Ferrell. And they just didn't quite know how, and because this was his first post SNL film, let's test you as a movie star. And John Favreau was the director of Elson would go on to destroy the entire mega movie blockbuster for the rest of the year for all time. And yeah, so it it's Elf's fault that movies don't exist anymore. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Andrew, will you write star bellied sneeches? I want to be a snitch. <laughs> Oh, um, I want to be a cute I little guy. Dr. I just want to be a cute little sneech. <laughs> I mean, out of all the Whovilles you've been to, which one would you prefer to be in? Like, which Whoville that you've seen on screen would you like to live oh, in? I, I'm going with that, the original animated one from, when was that? Chuck like the Jones, 60s? 66, yeah. yeah. I feel like that one is so pleasing and short. Well, for parents, you only have to put it on and you're like, dunzo. Well, then your kid is like, let's watch it again! Oh yeah, I guess this is coming from someone without a child. I have no idea how kids work. <laughs> oh wait, one thing that we did not talk that I actually have a huge gripe let's on. Let's go. Let's go. The song, Where Are You Christmas, oh, the Faith Hill is song? the worst, worst Christmas song that is the worst thing about this movie, is that it gave us that schlocky... And I like Faith Hill, but that song is terrible. I would say that's as bad as Christmas Shoes. It's as like, kind of up bad. there, yeah. Oh, that's really oh God. Why can't I hear music play? My 
For Where Are You Christmas? Yes. It no. takes place in the world of the movie. She is oh, on the Grinch's mountain. <laughs> like, oh, no. we start by going into the snowflake. Like, let's just go through this. She goes into the snowflake. The snowflake falls on Cindy Lou's face, and who saves it? It's <gasps> Faith Hill! It's Faith Hill! She's like, oh my hey. god. <laughs> so this was Taylor Momsen's music Creepy legend. Wow. Like, look at wow. how much... Okay, not to be this wow. guy harping on this... Look at the dynamic range of these and how, like, like right here in the music video world, it looks so colorful. And then we cut to the movie and it is so gray and drab. <laughs> like it She's shows... in front of a green screen. No, she's physically there. They kept the set. The sets are still up at Universal. You could go to these. but Wait, whoa. really? Yes. The, it is the biggest set in film history when it was built and they did not tear it down. If you ride the Universal, like, backlot tour, you will see Whoville. No kidding. It, now wait, she it, could just do this over Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not to harp on the fucking shit I was harping on. But look at, like, the blacks are properly black, like the dog came out. And yeah. all that. And then you cut to the movie, and suddenly it is so much more desaturated and low contrast. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, I do n- she looks great. <laughs> she looks incredible. Yeah. Um, the crib I question, yeah, but everything else. <laughs> that being said, um, the last thing I want to talk about um, before we wrap this up, is the dog actor. Um, <gasps> dog actor. Um, wonderful dog actor named Kelly mm-hmm. was rescued, was a rescue dog from the pound <gasps> um, just a month before they brought it in um, oh, and just nailed it, apparently, by all counts. It is just like, uh, uh, was game to do anything better than most movie dogs. And most of the audio commentaries were on Howard being like, oh yeah, the dog was wonderful. Kelly was great and she just loved this and she just enjoyed doing this. And it was like, Honey. no one was ever hurt. Jim Carrey loved the dog and the dog was just so game for everything. So I just wanted to shout out how incredible the dog actor was. And we, sh- mm. we should probably save more dogs from the pound um, just in general. And put them in movies. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. um, they're the best thing. Maybe, I don't know, I watched Homeward Bound recently, and I had to watch a pit bull try to fight a bear, and I'm like, did anyone stop? What, who, was, who was running the set? It's not great. No. But, speaking of who was running this set, what is our overall thought on Dr. Seuss? That was not a good <laughs> That was a 5 out of 10. That was five out of not 10 so good. Not so good. Uh, what is our overall thoughts on Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas and our ratings of either an already then or a no spank you? Um, so, yeah, Alan, why don't you go first? You know what I'm going to say. This is this is an already then for me. I'm going to give this an already then. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, how about you? I was that weird kid uh, growing up that I would only want to watch the Chuck Jones version. And then when that was over, I wanted to watch the stop motion Rankin Bass shorts. <laughs> That's all I wanted to watch for Christmas as a kid. Like, And then ABC Family, now Freeform, when I was like 2002, only showed the Jim Carrey Grinch movie. And it made me so angry as a child. I resented this movie by most of my life. So you, you're unobject, you're, yeah, you're un- unable to be unobjective. But then I didn't watch it for a long time, and then I watched it today, uh, this morning, and it was like, okay, it's not that bad. I'm way, way too hard on it. Is it good? No. I don't like it that much. I agree with Andrew about the theming. I don't think it works, and I don't, like, think it works at all. Like, is a narrative, I, but I think Cindy Lou is great, and him and her and Jim Carrey have great chemistry. The Christmas song is evil, and if you pay attention, it's in the score every other scene. (laughs) And it makes me angrier, because it's always in the score. (laughs) Like, ooh. That being said, Liz, you have every right to be angry every time it's on Freeform, because when it's on Freeform, it is a half hour longer. They include deleted scenes not present on the DVD, and you can only catch it on Freeform, including uh, a wrap-up to Molly Shannon's subplot with the lights, where the game is rigged and she does not win the lighting contest, as well about 15 other deleted scenes, more Jim Carrey riffing. There is, like, at least 30 minutes added to the Freeform version, and it's fascinating. Wow. That's why I hate it so much. So it felt it would way turn too long. like 
two hours of commercial filled uh, TV into three hours where it just is on all the time. That's horrendous. Dear Lord. Yeah, no wonder I hated it as a child. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give this a very light no spank you only because I just like didn't enjoy wow. it that much. I, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle between already and then no spank you. Like I'm at like a 50%. Like I can't lean on an edge. Like, I'm very conflicted. I, I didn't hate it, but it was also kind of bad. So. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Andrew. You know, I was going into this with a already then just based on Jim Carrey. This is a Jim Carrey podcast, and his performance is pretty spectacular yeah. in it. Yeah. But now knowing that he was like cranky the whole time, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm gonna give this a no spank you. That's oh, fair. I'm on my own, Jess. I know what you're gonna give it. I'm giving this a pretty hardcore already. <laughs> yeah. Oh! That's great. Yeah. Um, Andrew I, and I are on a team right now. I've got, <laughs> I've got too much childhood nostalgia linked into this. And every time I can just spew out all the information I've got. So every time I watch this, I thoroughly enjoy watching it beginning to end. There's like stupid parts that I look forward to making fun of. Like it is truly an insane film that they could not and would not make today. So I find that even more fascinating and as a time capsule of early 2000s. Hey, pre 9-11, the world's all right. We're doing great. We have money to just throw at things. Um, I find it as a maximalist, interesting piece of media that could not and would not be made today, no matter how interesting a director you got on. And sadly enough, Ron Howard was not an interesting enough director to make anything of this. Like Tim Burton really wanted to do this movie and just huh. couldn't work out the scheduling conflicts with Sleepy Hollow. And imagine what the Jim Carrey, mm. How the Grinch Stole Christmas would have been directed by Tim Burton. That would have been a whole different universe. That would have changed yeah. my life probably. It would have been a whole different vibe. We're talking good vibes, and if you want good vibes, why don't you go hang out with Aunt Andrew. Andrew, you've got a lot of incredible... I'm terrible at transitions today. Um, want you want good vibes? Here's a knife. good vibes? Here's a knife. <laughs> go see Dracula. Um, please promote all the incredible things you're doing, Andrew. Oh, yes. Uh, come see Dracula, Comedy of Terrors. You can also uh, check out a podcast that I, I make with Alan called Dracula the Podcastula, which is the companion podcast to Dracula. And then find me on social media at Keenan Blogger. All right. Did you have a good time with us or was this kind of like, uh, an afternoon? Lame. No, this was wonderful. And I like the homework assignment of <laughs> getting to watch a Jim Carrey movie. How bad can that be? Well, who can be? Who can be you cranky? You haven't watched anything he made in the 1980s. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay, that's uh, fair. Yeah, he this officially made porn in the 80s. We officially <laughs> launched this podcast tomorrow. The first episode comes out, and his oh, first. Yeah, his. I'll send you the link. His first couple films are are softcore Canadian porn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of boobs. Imagine trying to do in a podcast episode on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I read it. Can't wait. It wasn't easy. No one else isn't easy talking about Jim Carrey. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher at Carried Away Podcast with Jess and Alan. It's not Stitcher. Stitcher doesn't exist. We're on Twitter at Carried Away Pod, Instagram Carried Away Pod. Email us at Carried Away Podcast at gmail.com. Our title card is created by the amazing Grace Aki. Go follow them on Instagram at it's Grace Aki. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Esten. Thank you so much, Liz. You're doing a great job. Our theme song is I Choose You by the band Thanks. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for talking about the Grinch's red lipstick, uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean. All right. Do we have anything else we have left to say? Your transitions uh, need a little bit of practice. Can we burn that Faith Hill song, please? Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Christmas is here everywhere. That's another part of it where it doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it a musical? We're just going to have this random musical number, two of them, I guess. that That's enough, right? Well, he sings the classic song, yeah. He sings Dahu about himself. Three songs, two and a half oh, yeah. songs. Yeah, that's, that's right. Two. That's right. That's not a yeah, musical. That, I like how at the end, though, that he doesn't know the words to that song. Why would he? That's a realistic choice. So he's just like <laughs> flubbing it. Bah, 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 bah. Right. You can see the frustration on Christine Baranski's face <laughs> like, very clearly there. I don't think she's acting. I think she's just like I, feeling the Tommy Lee Jones vibe of I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like, I have to be in love with this guy. Ugh. Fuck.
Oh god, where's his dick? Like? At least I'm getting paid. Where's his dick? This is worse than Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> I need some lipstick. <laughs> Alright, we're done. We're done. The grits are over. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Right. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.